This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Mark chapter 5. We'll look at a couple of verses in a moment. The title of tonight's message is Hope for the Hopeless. Hope for the Hopeless. I was saying to Tony there before I got up, it's not like we to have a title ready. And Tony says it's even a positive title. So, which is true. Hope for the Hopeless. You know, you don't have to look too far in the world that we live in today. And you don't have to see, just take a a brief look around and you see that we live in a world where hopelessness abounds. It doesn't matter what age you are from young to old, hopelessness seems to permeate the whole way through. You know, you know the stories with, especially even in Belfast and probably in Northern Ireland itself, the suicide rate among young people is growing. And it's not just people in their, t- their, their t- early 20s or 30s, but even down in the teenage years, there seems to be a hopelessness within them. You know the stories of today about assisted suicide, euthanasia, and there seems to be a hopelessness in people. And yes, some are unwell. Some even aren't unwell, but they just can't face the future. There seems to be a hopelessness that just permeates their lives. And we could go on and we could talk about different ones in different situations, but hopelessness seems to permeate every part of society. Now, they talk about this world today, and they talk about this world has, is so advanced than it was even 50 years ago, but especially two, three, four hundred years ago. To talk about where a people that have evolved and what we have and the riches that there is in this world and the things that we can put our hands to, things that have never existed before. But yet throughout all of this time, hopelessness abounds. Hopelessness is a thing that maybe has touched us at one stage or maybe it will, hopefully not. But there is a hope for the hopeless. You know, there ever is a story, and that's why I got us to turn to Mark 5. There's ever a story that talks about a man whose life acted out hopelessness, that his life just was a hopeless case, a hopeless situation. It's found in um, Mark chapter 5 and the first verses. Let me read it to you. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. 
Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. That's a picture to me of hopelessness, of deep hopelessness. And we say that's just an example. But as I said in society today, among young people, among old people, of all age groups, there's a hopelessness that permeates. And this man, I think, is an example of just the hopelessness that can come into a man or a woman's life, into mankind's life. You know, it doesn't give us this, names, this man's name, but it does tell us a lot of things about him. And I don't want to focus so much just tonight on that he was possessed, because that, that, that was the story behind it. But it's just the state that he was in because of it. You know, isn't it strange that where this man lived? And I don't mean just the, 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 the you know, the story is called in another um, gospel, he's called the maniac of Gadara. But I'm not just talking about where he lived, it's where he actually abode. Isn't it strange? He met, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. Here's a man who dwelt among the dead. Here's a man who is living in a graveyard. He's dwelling among the dead. That's where his home is. That's physically where he is abiding. But in his life and in his spirit and in his heart and in his mind, he's dwelling among the dead. Because he is a dead man in life, in where he stands with God. You know, we look around today and we see people and we see them, they're living. Yes, they're living and breathing on this earth, but they're dead. They're dead in sins. The Bible in Ephesians says that, that we who were once dead in sins. That's, what, that's the words of Paul. He said, we who were dead in our sins. And there's, I, I watch television sometimes, especially young people, I don't know what it is. And it just, they're, they're living day to day with a false joy a false happiness, but they're dead. You know, I, I was watching there a while back, you know, the BBC does those festivals, Glastonbury and stuff like that. And I, it just dawned on me one night, I was watching it all up the front of the young people and they're all standing there cheering and shouting. But I have to say the thought came to me, but where are they with the Lord? Where are they? I can't assume for everyone. But there's some who are living in death because they don't know the Lord. They have no awareness of their state. This man lived among the tombs. This was his life. Was he aware of that state? I'm sure he was. But there's a world out there that sometimes aren't aware of the state they're in. They're living among the dead. They're living in tombs. They're living in graveyards. He lived among the dead and basically his company was the dead. 
you know, there was a state he was in. I was thinking, you know, just the, the image there of the, the, the cemetery before we move on. You know, you can imagine, imagine someone living in the cemetery down there in St. John's. You know, that would seem really strange in this day and age for someone to be living among those tombs. Or maybe the Lurgan Cemetery, people living among the tombs. We'd say that's crazy. But there is people living in death among tombs in their spiritual lives. You know, I was thinking of Gary there. He's probably the only man you're going to see up in the graveyard at any time of night. I know that might sound strange to you, but Gary went one night to do photography in the graveyard, and the police turned up. <laughs> so you can ask him about that later. See, so you can. <laughs> so if you do see anyone, just check it's not Gary first. <laughs> but he's living among the dead. That's where he lived. What else does it tell him? It tells us about the state he was in. Yes, he was possessed. He was demon-possessed. And they drove him. The demons within drove him to despair. <coughs> this was a man that was out of control. He was in torment. There was a madness within him because of the demons. That's, as I say, the maniac of Gadara, sometimes called that was the state he was in. It says he was often bound with fetters and chains. King James says, and no one could tame him. No man could tame him. There seemed to be a, a, an aggressiveness about him that he wailed in the mountains and among the tombs. He ran about and the people of the town tried to chain him and tried to bind him but he just broke those chains and he was able to cast them off because of the demon possession within him. But even in that, in our lives with sin, especially before we were saved, it seemed to be at times we just couldn't get enough. We just couldn't get enough. Maybe in our hearts and our minds we knew this is just, it's not satisfying, but we just kept going on with the daily life of sin. You know, do you ever notice, well, I noticed it for myself, before I was saved, and maybe only a few months before I was saved, I seemed to get worse in what I was doing. I seemed to, I was at party after party, and I seemed to be getting worse and worse and worse. And it was like just a drive. It was the next thing, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I thank God that he saved me, because I don't know where I would have been. But sin can take our lives and just drives us deeper and deeper and pulls us down. And it pulls us into that pit. No man could tame him. And it seems today that what is the answer? It seems to be there's an answer to no one. There's an answer for... No one has the answer, whether it's in people's lives or whether it's politically or whether it's financially. <coughs> just seems to get worse and worse and worse but no man could tame him they bound him with fetters and chains and he just broke them off you know it says you know he was a danger to others and he was a danger to himself and I'm sure that's why the people of the town would bind him 
and try to chain him. Listen, that's the most pitiful sight. What a pitiful sight to look at this man. It must have been. Because at one stage, this man had come from a family. This man had friends. This man was part of the community. But now he's living among the tombs. <coughs> what a pitiful sight. You know, you don't have to go, to far, go far in any town. You just said city there, like go to Belfast, but listen, you go to Lurg and go... And especially people with, with, with drugs and alcohol. And their lives are a mess. And they, they've come from families, of brothers, of sisters. But their lives are just a mess. And it's as if nothing can tame them. It's a pitiful sight. It says he was in the mountains crying and cutting himself crying out and cutting himself with stones. Do you know, it's, 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 I've heard this before and I, I just checked it up. Big thing among young people, especially young people today, is they'll cut themselves. So they'll cut themselves. And that's increasing. Now to you and I, maybe that doesn't sound very rational. And it's right, it doesn't sound rational. But there's something driving it. A hopelessness within young people. <coughs> you know, I, I, I was in a, a place there a number of months ago, and I'd say where. And it was the first time I noticed that there was a young girl at the counter. And that's the first time I'd seen her without a big hoodie on. And I just, just as I walked in, and she was cut from there to there. And not long ways, sidewards. There was more cuts than there was normal flesh. And it just struck me straight away. I wouldn't say this girl was any more than 18, 19 years of age. Hopelessness. It was sad. Actually, it was quite, it was quite disturbing. I thought to myself, but why? And it's growing among young people. There's a hopelessness. And it seems as though nobody can tame them. And no one has the answer. But that's physically. He was crying and cutting himself. But there's people out there who are crying and they're cut on the inside. This man carried the wounds of those stones, of those cuts on the outside of his body. But there's men and women in this town, in this country, who are carrying it physically, spiritually on the inside. They're hurt, there's pain. There's open wounds. Why that is, there's countless reasons. Countless reasons. But they're carrying it with them. And it seems that no one can tame them. That they're bound with chains and they're bound with fetters. You know, we live in a, a, a world that claims freedom. We're free but I've never seen greater depths of enslavement where they say we're free, but they're so bound. And that's in our societies. They're hurt physically. They're hurt spiritually. They're hurt emotionally. What was this man's outlook? Well, it says in verse five, 
night and day among the tombs on the mountains. He was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Night and day. His outlook wasn't good. His outlook was an outlook of hopelessness. And I think that's why it says night and day. It was a pattern that just went day after day after day after day after day after day after day. Night and day, this man got no relief. And there's people out there who in the inside are night and day are living with a hopelessness. They're living with a hopelessness. I think of the man at the beautiful gate. And Peter, Peter and John came by. And I, th- I think from memory, it said he had been there a long time. I can't remember if it gives the exact date, but he had been there a long time. And his friends brought him there and left him there and would come and get him at the, in the evening. And in his mind, one day after the other, after the other, after the other, was going to be the same. But then there's one day Peter and James came by, or Peter and John came by. I think of the man at the pool of, pool of, pool of Bethesda. I think it says there, he was there 38 years, I think, from memory. 38 years. I mean, this day they brought him down. What he seen was, here's just another day. Here's just another day where I'm going to be sitting here. But we know the story. Think of the woman with the issue of blood. 12 years. She tried everything. But for 12 years, same thing day after day after day. It's an outlook of hopelessness. And the story tells us that no one could bind him. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. And no one could, had the strength to subdue him. No one had the strength to tame him. King James says, no man. I think it describes it better that no man could bind him and no man had the strength to tame him. But do you know where I'm going? But there is one man. There is one man who had the strength to bind him. And there is one man who had the strength to set him free. And that man was Jesus. No one could bind him anymore. No one had the strength. And if the story finished there, it's a story of hopelessness. But this story is here to encourage us. This story is here to give us hope. This story is here to give outside those walls hope. There is a man who can help. There is a man who has the strength. There is another man. And at this stage, this man is crossing the Sea of Galilee. You know the story. Physically, he's crossing the Sea of Galilee. And when you think about it, Jesus has left a crowd on the other side. He's just fed thousands. There's mighty miracles. There's healings. They've all been fed with a few loaves and a few fish. You think Jesus would say, this is going great. 
This is wonderful. Look what's happening here. But Jesus left the crowd. He left the crowd to go across the water to find one man. Find one man. He's crossing the water and he's on his way. But in another sense, Jesus has crossed over. He has crossed over to mankind. He has left heaven. He left his kingdom. He left his father. He left his glory. And Jesus has gone way out of his way because Jesus didn't have to come. But Jesus went way out of his way just as he went way out of his way to, t- to t- touch this man and meet with this man, he has come way out of his way to meet with mankind. He has left it all behind. He has crossed the sea from eternity to the temporary. He has crossed the sea from his glory to obscurity. He has crossed the sea from immortality to mortality. And the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation for you and for I. Jesus has crossed over. And 2,000 years ago, he crossed over and paid the price. And he still holds out and reaches out to offer mercy to mankind. There is a man who can bind and there is a man who is strong enough, who has the strength to set the captive free. He's a man, but he's more than a man. He's the God man. He is the man who could bind, not with chains, but with the power of his word. Jesus doesn't bind with chains. He speaks. And in this stage with this man, he spoke to the demon. Don't want to get into the details of the name and and, and, and all of that. But just to say he spoke to them and with the power of his word, he loosed the chains. He broke the chains and set this man free. And he is a man who has the strength to tame him. He has the strength to tame him. The demons tremble at the word of Jesus. They tremble at the word of Jesus because this demon comes down and says, what have I you to do with me? Don't send us away. They were frightened of Jesus. They were frightened of this one man. Do not torment me. Jesus just had to speak. Just one point on the name, when he asked the name and he said, Legion, what that says to me is, there's nothing too large for this man. There's no one too strong for this man. Listen, it can be a legion, and Jesus just speaks the word. And every power and every demon must obey the words of Jesus. There's one man who can set the captive free. 
Verse 15 says, And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Let's think about this first, just in what we said at the start. Here is a man who lived among the tombs. Here is a man who lived in the, in the shadow of death, who ran amok, who had to be chained down because he was a danger to himself and a danger to all around, who cried and ran about in the mountains, cutting himself with the stones. A hopeless man with a hopeless future. And here he is sitting in his right mind and clothed. Sitting in his right mind and fully clothed. This is the power of the one man, the one man Jesus. I think that's, that's wonderful when we actually sit down and analyze it all of what Jesus has done for this man. And let's think what Jesus has done for us. What has he done for us? He's done the same for us. Yes, we maybe didn't have demons. We maybe didn't live in the graveyard. We didn't maybe live and cut, cut in ourselves. But we were dead. But we were dead. And we were under, under the authority of Satan. And we were destined for hell. But there's one man who came. Who had the strength to set us free. Who had the strength to tame us. And he done it willingly. Just thinking there, just as we're saying about Peter and Peter and John, what they said when the man at the beautiful gate was was healed, he says, "Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole." Even by him does this man stand here before you whole. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. He makes us whole. Our hopeless future, and he gives us a hope and a future. He gives us a hope and a future. Is there tough times? Is there struggles? Yes, but in those times, he gives us his grace and his strength to go on with him, to go through with him. And one day he'll bring us home to be with him. This is what the one man has done. Mark 15. Let me just read it to you. We're almost finished. But I hope you see just the wonderfulness of what Jesus does. As we're, as we're talking about it tonight, how he sets the man free and gives him a hope. Mark 15, verse 14. 
Sorry, I wrote the wrong verse down. Sorry. 16 and 14, sorry. Great commission. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their own belief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Jesus is still doing it. All these years later, he sent the disciples out and they done works. And Jesus is still able to do those works today. He is ready, he is willing, and he is able to do those works today. And that's what he's challenging us with. You know what I'm like? I always like to challenge us. Always like to challenge us. Because he didn't do it for us to just sit and to sit here and look at ourselves and think we're great. Look what God has done for us. Jesus came across the water. Jesus came across that ocean from eternity to the, to, to the temporary, to us. And he challenges us to reach out. Jesus physically is not here today, but his spirit is here. But he still wants us to travel out, to go out of our way as it was, and to reach out to people, to reach out and speak his word so that he can set captives free and break the chains. What does Romans 10 tell us? Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the, the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Next two words, how then, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Listen, this is to us. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Listen, you can't see, you're going to say, I'm not, well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. This up here is classed as preaching. But you're a preacher. And you're to preach the word. How are these people meant to hear? How are they meant to believe? If no one's sharing the word with them. That's your job. That's my job on an everyday basis. 
How are they going to believe? Back to our story. This man, we know where he was. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How did that man feel that day when Jesus came across that water? How beautiful were the feet of Jesus when he brought that message to him, when he set him free that day? How beautiful, how beautiful the day Jesus set us free. How wonderful is Jesus. But we're meant to take him with us. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. The good news, the gospel. We have received the good news. Jesus wants us to keep spreading it. Because he still wants to set the captive free. Some of these captives are our relatives. Some of these captives are our friends. Some of these captives are strangers to us. But Jesus wants us to carry the gospel, to take that beautiful message so that he can set people free. The, 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 the man that was set free came to him. And as Jesus was leaving, he says, I want to go with you. He says, no. He says, go home. Go home to your friends to your family and tell them what Jesus has done for you. Tell them what God has done for you. Just a simple message. Tell them what God has done for you. That's what he said. Go and tell them. Go and tell them. Go and give them the gospel. Let your feet be beautiful and let it carry the message of the gospel carry the good news I hope you see it the way I see it in my mind's eye of where that man was and where he ended up a hopeless case but he wasn't hopeless to Jesus and Jesus went out of his way for him and crossed that sea and set him free. Listen, we can turn around and say, well, I carry the gospel and, and, and you know, it's the words of it. But listen, Jesus has the strength. <coughs> what does the Bible say? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. The power's already here. These are the words that we preach we teach and we share and let the Holy Spirit work. Let the Holy Spirit work in his way, in his time, as he leads. Do you want your feet to be beautiful? Some of you physically maybe don't think your feet are beautiful, but when we carry the gospel, we're taking a beautiful message. And it can give someone hope that is in a hopeless state. It can give them a future that they never even knew existed. It can break that cycle off night and day, night and day, night and day. 
But when Jesus comes, all of a sudden it's a new day. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the message of your word. Lord, what a wonderful story. What a wonderful story of how you can set the hopeless free and give them a hope and a future. Lord, you went way out of your way for that man that day. But Lord, for us, in another sense, you came right out of your way. When you left your glory, you left your father, you left your home, and you came to this world for us. Lord, thank you for that gospel. Thank you for your words, Lord, that have set, set us free. Thank you, Lord, that our strength is in you. Hallelujah. We have been set free not by anything that we have done, but because you came and done it for us. And Lord, I think of what your, your word says, Lord. How are they meant to hear unless someone preaches? How are they meant to hear unless someone is sent? Lord, you have sent us. You have commissioned us, Lord, to go with the gospel. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a, a renewed desire, a renewed vigor, Lord God, to share your word. Lord, even just in small ways, Lord. But Lord, help us to preach the word in season and out of season. The Lord, that you may work your strength and Lord, that you would set the captive free. Lord, that you would break chains, that you would open prison doors, Lord. Lord, that you would call, cause rejoicing where there is mourning, Lord God. Beauty for ashes. Lord, that's the work you do. Lord, you transform. You turn around completely. Lord, your word says that you are able to save to the uttermost. You are able to save to the uttermost. Help us, Lord, to see that. And to believe it, Lord, and to witness, Lord God, in that way, with that in our minds and in our hearts, Lord. Lord, that people may shun us, Lord God, but Lord, you may be working in their hearts. You may be working in their hearts. Lord, help us to share your word. Help us to share the good news. Help us to share your wonderful gospel. And let our feet be beautiful as we carry it to all around us every day and from this day forward. Lord, we give you glory and we give you honor for who you are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk.